Hello and welcome back to another episode of MCU Need to Know, a podcast dedicated to the Marvel Cinematic Universe and everything you need to know. I'm Trey. Welcome back, Trey. I'm Jude. <laughs> How you doing? You know, it, it re- felt appropriate, right? In the back-to-back at WandaVision? Right? It's almost this weird feeling that normally we don't feel unless it's like a movie review that we're doing and we do the trailer bonus. But right. in this case, it's like they're both kind of full-length episodes. It's not just a short 15-minute trailer look. No, it's not. It's not. So, yeah, um, I'm Jude. How are you doing, Trey, in the short time from the last recording to this one? Well, you know, generally I'm like, oh, I don't know what to say because we, we, we do this back to back. I committed to a bit of being like, oh, nothing happened. I'm not excited. Man, dude, I'm so excited. I bought four <laughs> pop figures this week. <laughs> I know. So that was so funny. You send me this text. Uh-huh. And it, see, because we're talking about this, I'm going to say we need to put this on the socials. Of course. Um, the, the picture you sent me. You sent me this text and you were like, man, I goofed. <laughs> like, what do you mean you goofed? And you're like, I went to GameStop and bought four pops, you know? And and what's so funny to me on that is I used to collect, and I say used to because I don't buy them as much as I used to. I still uh-huh. get get I still get Funko Pops every once in a while, but, like, I used to go pop hunting, right? Like, I would just go out, and my wife would accuse me of, like, having this alternate life she didn't know about because she'd fall asleep, <laughs> and then I'd leave the house and go, like, from Walgreens <laughs> to Walgreens. <laughs> After all the kids and wife was in bed. Um, and that buying four pops is not a goof. That's just like par for the course at one time for me. So, <laughs> well, so if you're following us on social media, which you should be, I, I'm trying to do this thing where I, cause like as a, as a, as a side job, I do product photography for a local coffee company and, and it's excellent photography, actually. Thank so, you. I really appreciate that out that. there. <laughs> I really appreciate that. And and so in wanting to be better at doing that, I was like, well, why don't I marry the love of Marvel with product photography by doing like Funko Pop stuff? And so I try I'm trying to do whenever we do WandaVision, have some WandaVision Funko Pops. Whenever we do Falcon of the Winter Soldier, you know, so on and so forth. And uh, I'll be sharing those on Instagram and and maybe Twitter too. So that's yeah. I I've been trying to hunt down a Wanda pop figure because I already had a vision one, which is already up on our Instagram. And it's um, a good one because it's the classic costume. Yeah. And, uh, so I shared that one. I was like, well, I want to get Wanda representation in here too. So I just like did a Google search of all my local stores and I was like, Oh, GameStop has it. So I ran with all the intention of just getting one, like just picking up Wanda and going. And I got there and I was like, Oh, well, I have been wanting the the vision in the Halloween costume, so I'll get that one too. <laughs> and then as I was leaving, I was like, oh, that's Sam in Falcon and the Winter Soldier. I'll get that one too. And then I was about to check out, and the guy was like, well, we have a buy three, get one free sale. And I was like, God dang it. And so I picked up, uh, <laughs> I picked up the Winter Soldier too. <laughs> nice. Okay, so I would fall into that trap there, and Hot Topic would do the like buy two, get one half off or something. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, and I, and I get into that all kinds of pops, love mm-hmm. my pops. So, yeah. hey, hey, the, the Miles Morales Spider-Man game pops look so good. Uh, don't get me started. I'm just saying they do. And, <laughs> and they're just, oh, they're so good. So what yeah. I am going to find interesting mm-hmm. is if they do the same thing that they do with Mandalorian, you know, Disney, that when a new episode comes out, like, like they slow rolled their merchandise. Uh-huh. 
And with each Friday, new merchandise come out. Stop. <laughs> so I, I don't think they're going to do that with Pops, because Pops traditionally, you know, you look at the back of the box, here's the ones they have. There might be some exclusives to some stores or not. It wouldn't surprise me if San Diego Comic-Con had a WandaVision exclusive. Like, that's part of their Marvel line will be like a WandaVision Falcon Winter Soldier exclusives to San Diego Comic-Con. Well, eh, San Diego Comic-Con-ish, you can still buy them in stores. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't think any new pops will come out with each episode. It's possible, but but I haven't seen any. But mm-hmm. I am curious to see, because this week-to-week revealing of stuff, they're, they're waiting on the, right. on the merchandise contact or mm-hmm. content with mm-hmm. the week-to-week. So I'm curious what it's going to... What it's going to be. Yeah. I was so tempted to get me a shirt, too. (laughs) Oh, man. Well, if you couldn't tell, clearly we are excited about WandaVision. Uh, You know, we already did our first episode, which you can find in the feed. And we're jumping right into the second episode because both have been released on the same day. So we're going to give some some spoiler-free thoughts here in this spoiler-free zone. And then you're going to hear an audio cue. After that cue, it's going to be fair game for us to discuss anything in that episode, in any previous episodes, or anything in the MCU prior. So this is going to be your final warning uh, after that cue, uh, and then, you know, we'll be good to go. Which, of course, if you're listening to this, how have you not seen the first two episodes already? Right. Right. So, yeah, uh, floor is open to you. Do you have some spoiler-free thoughts about this episode overall? I like how... Hmm... How do I want to put this? They doubled down on the concept of that 1950 show. Mm-hmm. And, and like they did the, they did it so well in the first episode. And it's just like they, they, they found a way to double down on it and really kind of play with it. Um, and, and I'll save that for kind of in episode, you know, spoiler zone area. But, but I really was just. Just loved it, like in in the sense of that. So, okay, as a kid growing up, I remember watching. As a kid growing up, that's such a dumb phrase. Of course, I was growing <laughs> up. So, when I was younger, <laughs> when I was younger, I remember watching Nick at Night. Yeah, and this is you know when Nick at Night was showing all the old black and white shows. Uh huh. I watched Donna Reed regularly. I watched My Three Sons regularly. I watched the Patty Duke Show regularly. These mm-hmm. are the three Nick at Night shows that I watched. Um, and, and so, like, seeing them double down on that, that era or style of television, I just, you know, brought me back. It was so mm-hmm. great. Yeah. You know, playing off that, uh, that Nick at Night feeling, you know, for me, it was I Love Lucy and, and Bewitched. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. And, and, I mean, even specifically, this episode is, you know, leaning into those roots. And yeah. so... I think the thing that I love is one, the ambition, and two, because it's such a love letter to TV, there's there's comfort in that nostalgia that they're playing against and with at the same time. And right. so spoiler free, like that's what I love because we saw this pattern in the first episode. The stakes are only as high as the form that they're I was going to say mimicking, but that that feels pejorative. The stakes are only as high as the form that they're paying homage to. Mm-hmm. 
But because we know there's so much more going on, you can't help but feel like we're all part of a play, even if oh, they yeah. don't know it yet. And so that's what I love of that. The that that this episode is a continuation of that from the first one, and I, I really enjoy that. Right. So, any more thoughts before we j- jump into the spoiler zone? No, let's zone? jump in. No, let's oh. jump in. All right, no, here. Let's dive in. Here is your audio cue. All right, we're back. This is all spoilers. Hey, they had their warning. <laughs> they had their warning. Okay, so you know, I almost slipped up. I don't. I don't think this would be considered a spoiler, but I. You probably saw me course correcting before we got into this zone. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the first thing that I loved was. The first thing that I loved and wasn't expecting, we got an entirely different opening credits. Right. And right. this one, I mean, a bewitched point blank down. I Because I think they have similar opening credit styles. And mm-hmm. that's kind of what I was getting at where it's that comfort that I wasn't expecting to feel, which is constantly coming into conflict because we know there's something more going on. And it's a it's an interesting almost hold that the show has us in at the moment. Yeah. Okay. Before I build on that, can I backtrack? Go ahead. So my first notes actually begin with the previously on. Uh-huh. Because I it, I liked a couple of things. A, I liked that little like nod to television previously on, you know, it, it was like, and I realized the Mandalorian did it, right? But it's just the way they did it just kind of felt like it built into or this awareness of building into the genre of television as uh-huh. the concept. Uh, so I like that. Well, they, but then they I even noticed. Had, go ahead. Well, they even had Wanda say previously on. So like yeah. it fits that this is within the narrative. Yeah. Oh yeah. That That's a perfect way to put it. It felt like it's within the narrative. Uh huh. At the very end, when you with at the previous layer and then you see the sword again, they actually zoom out. A little bit more, you get a little bit more information. And so the clear there's a notepad and he's taking notes right there on the desk, just to the, just to the right was the Rodecaster Pro, <laughs> which is, which is the soundboard for design specifically for podcasting. Oh man. Like that just jumped right out at me and I just got a big giggle of that. <laughs> They've got like, man, they have to know. Because that was one of the things that I was talking about in our first episode is that the thing that I took away from us pulling out and seeing that somebody was taking notes that felt like it was clinical, like they were being observed. That's us. Like, we, that's we're the ones doing it. And so to have that like podcasting mixer, I'm sure it's used for other things, but it's it's our connection because of the podcast that we do. Yeah. It's a great way to like they have to be playing a nod to that. Well, and it makes me wonder, did somebody just like, hey, nobody's going to know what this looks like, but it looks fancy, so let's just put it on there? Because mm-hmm. um, clearly, like like some of the other equipment there, you, you know, you had the thing that had the sword logo, you had some other little monitor thing. There was another piece of equipment that wasn't on, but from my time working at a television station, I recognized it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's there to make sure your colors are right. Mm-hmm. So, like, you would you'd run this through the... through you know, through your broadcast and you put up color bars 
And you'd adjust these little knobs to make sure your colors are right, make sure your black is black and your white is white, you know, so everything was color balanced. Mm-hmm. It would have been neat if it was turned on and showed that <laughs> it was turned <laughs> off, but I recognized like that's what it was. And so it was like, it had all these kind of television equipment, which was really cool to me, except yeah. the podcasting, you know, audio board, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> now playing back to you on the, on the bewitched open. I, I feel like there's more to that. It's not just like, oh, she has these powers. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's that's going to have some goes beyond there. Because we at the very end, we touched on Agnes. Mm-hmm. And I've seen speculation that people think she's this Agatha Harkness from mm-hmm. the comic. And she is a witch. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if the show goes in the way of Agatha having something to do with it, like uh, like being kind of in world like we were talking about. Uh-huh. I think that bewitched play here goes also into what's going on with Agnes. Mhm. There's also a level of creepiness to it, especially specific with this one where we didn't get it in that first one where it's like everybody in the the community is in the credits going one division, one division. Yeah. Like it's this chanting cult-like situation. And it almost feels like I'm still forming this, like, because we're still only two episodes in. It almost feels like a commentary on the way that we digest, like, the media. Like, it should be off putting, but it's not. Yeah. And so, like, I want to keep tabs on that as we move forward because, because this is foreign to us as the viewer of this Marvel property, you know, it doesn't feel, it, it, it feels weird, but to them, like, it feels natural. I don't know. Like I just, it was, it creeped me out more than I was expecting to see that bewitched where they're all just chanting and like pivoting up and down outside the houses. It was, it was weird. Right. Right. What, one of the things I noticed was like all the characters we saw, like in that background animated wise uh-huh. were characters that showed up in the show. Yeah. And, and to me, what made that important to note was just what is the reality going on? Mm-hmm. If I remember right in those old shows, like it was the the people you saw in the openings were really the main characters, and so to include all the others just has a a level of significance, I think, mm-hmm. in terms of like their role to play in either tearing down the world that Wanda's in or helping build up the world that Wanda's in. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it even it it foreshadows the episode in front of it because I correct me if I'm wrong, but in that first episode, there was no reference to a bunny that Agnes had and the opening credits. She's holding a bunny. And another Mm. thing that I picked up on is at the end, I'm skipping around here, but at the end, you know, after they finish putting on the talent show and it's they had that creepy like for the kids, Wanda has a line that says, I think the kids want popcorn. And that opening credit, she sits down on the couch with Vision and has popcorn. Mm-hmm. And it's something it's something that's not weird until the rest of the world forms around it. And it you it was like it 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 kind of like what you said, it gives meaning to something we weren't giving meaning to in the beginning. Right. Right. So, and and it could be nothing, but it is worth mentioning that they're they're foreshadowing stuff in that opener and wondering whether or not this is going to be a theme they continue with these different openings that they do. Oh, yeah. And I'm assuming so, just because, I mean, they're changing genres 
or, or not uh-huh. genres, uh, decades. Mm-hmm. You know, and so so I feel like they're gonna pull that all the way, all the way through. I love the start with Vision doing the um, magic act. Yeah, and and just because it it still had that feel of like you're facing directly what would have been the studio audience, you know. So it's like breaking the fourth wall, but not mm-hmm. breaking the fourth wall, you know. And and so like there's this awareness of like putting on a show. Uh huh. I don't know. You kept using it like that meta sense they had or knew about themselves. Mm-hmm. I think awareness is the best way to put it because look at the line that Vision has when he's doing the um, uh, what do they call it? The Cabinet of Mysteries, because Wanda is supposed to be in there and he, he chants, fear not, for I vow to bring you back exactly as you were. And then Wanda yeah. says, are you not at all worried that the audience might see through the charade? I'm sorry, that was Vision. But it's that awareness of like, we know Vision is gone. Right. We feel like this might be a ploy to get him back. And having that having that line of like, don't you think the audience will see right through it? Like it's it's they're having fun with it. Like it's yeah. meta on so many different levels. Well, yeah, you're right. There's a couple of things. It was her response. Oh, what was her response um, about the realism? It was like, you don't want them to know it's real. Mm-hmm. You know, like they like they could actually do it without the the trick of the back door. And mm-hmm. so that you don't want him to know it's real, but also, you know, it leans into some of the stuff we were saying in terms of Wanda doing this or Wanda being manipulated. And are you afraid that the, the illusion is going to be broken? Mm-hmm. Although I will say what I think I liked about the cabinet of mysteries was the mind stone on it. Yeah. Design. Like, and that makes me wonder of like, are they going to use the infinity stones in some kind of way? Or is that just, and actually, and now that I think about it, that design, it had the Mind Stone on it with with streaks coming away from the Mind Stone. Uh-huh. And so if it's about her trying to separate from that moment, like that could be her memory of the Mind Stone when it blew up by either her doing it or when Thanos pulled it and it there was a shatter. Mm-hmm. And that's what those yellow streaks coming off the Mind Stone were, not just that it was shining. Right. Yeah, that, that's definitely the feeling that I'm getting from it, too. Like, those streaks represent a shattering. And mm-hmm. paired with the line of, like, fear not, I vow to bring you back. Even though that's Vision saying it, you know, if, this, if, if there are layers to this show that are her subconscious traumas, clearly that's one of them. I mean, it's it is on the nose, you know, disappearing or, or or having things disappear in that cabinet. It's a mystery. She could just put it in there and lock it away, right? But, but like you said, that that was the quote that I think you were trying to remember. Real, that's real magic is when they know it's fake, right? Or some, something along that lines. And so, yeah, like if this is the representation of that moment where she had to end vision then she wants to find a reason for it not being actually true. Yeah. Yeah. Well, okay, did you have this feeling watching it of like, and and I felt like they did a really good job of playing with, in this episode, playing with my expectations. Uh-huh. And that, like, I expected them to actually use their powers and do the trick. And so I was kind of caught by surprise 
when the back of the cabinet door turned and she stepped out like a real magician would, you know, run that trick. And like, like my expectations was like, she used her own powers. Mm-hmm. And so when she stepped out, I, I kind of like, Oh, like they actually, just like she said, like they actually did the trick rather mm-hmm. than just doing it. Right. Mm, I didn't have that expectation because it goes back to what I was saying. Everything feels like a play, even if they can't put it into words that like they're part of this act that everybody's in They're They're, they're trying to do it for their own identity so that they can exist peacefully in this, in this neighborhood. And so for me, it's, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of that theme replaying itself over again, where the stakes can never be high. So right. uh, Take the opener. They hear a loud thud on the window. It's just the tree. Mm-hmm. When they actually get to the talent show and Vision is drunk or inebriated or whatever he is, and he's actually doing his powers, which in this world is the worst conceivable thing to happen, Wanda easily uses her powers to deceive them into realizing, oh, it's just fake. And so yeah. it's that like, I wasn't expecting it because it, it feels like so far we have not been introduced to, into any real threats. So anything within the meta narrative of the the, the sitcom show, I mm-hmm. I wasn't expecting that. If that makes sense. No, no, that makes sense. Because like I I had an expectation with the with the tree of like it was going to be something, uh-huh. right? And then it was just the tree, like right. it like I I wasn't expecting. I don't know. I guess I'm just expecting when or, or, or anticipating when is the, the, the shoe going to drop, right? When is right. the, when is the rug going to be pulled out from under us and we see, Oh, okay. This is what's going on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so like, that's kind of, I, I have that expectation. And so I, they, they do a good job of, of playing on that with, or at least for me. Mm-hmm. I think they're conditioning us for a huge drop. Because yeah. go back to the talent show, look, look at when I forgot. I wish I could remember one of the neighborhood uh, neighborhood person's name. But she goes, "Wait a minute, is that how mirrors work?" And then Dottie immediately goes, "Shut up, a Beverly, yeah. I believe." But she's yeah, like, "Shut Beth. up, Beverly." Yeah. And uh, yeah. and so it's like it's like it goes back to the idea: the stakes are never high because you know the reality is primed to just go with what needs to be. Mm-hmm. So whenever that does break, I believe it's gonna be heartbreaking. What I find fascinating as well, like she had the line of dialogue, this is our home now. Uh-huh. I want us to fit in. And, you know, and I have this note, like, is she putting them there or is somebody else putting them there? Uh, in my mind, it's not clear yet. Mm-hmm. Well, like at the end of this episode and the episode, you know, like who's doing this to you? You have that, that line. But just because they're asking Wanda who's doing this at the end. And I know I'm skip. We're again. We've established we're skipping around. Oh yeah. Um. But just because I said that, like that doesn't mean the answer's not Wanda mm-hmm. doing it. You know, doing this to herself. So even though they have that line, that doesn't mean Wanda's not doing that or or this making this reality herself. And so, you know, it, so it's not clear yet who the answer to that question is. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's why I find it interesting of that line of, of where this is our home. Now I want us to fit in kind of leads me to believe it's her doing it. Right. So now that we're here and, and because we are jumping around a bit, I'm going to go ahead and lay down my speculation for what's happening. 
Going into this show, I was under the impression that this was a reality completely fabricated by Wanda. And okay. that these okay. people that were inhabiting it weren't real, except maybe for potentially Agnes, just because she had that antagonistic vibe to her. But as we right. discussed with the like, she has stakes in this continuing on. Right. However, two incidents in that first episode when Mr. Hart has the choking uh, scene and his wife is pleading with Wanda to stop it. Yeah, there's, that like, was there's the, real stakes there. Yes, that was the first clue. To me, in this this episode, whenever Wanda is, is meeting with Dottie and Dottie is straight up like, I'm on to you and, and Vision, you know, I don't believe you. You know, things get really dreadful. And that's where we see who's doing this to you, Wanda, come through the radio. Mm -hmm. Both times in that moment and in the first episode, Wanda almost kind of goes into a trance. The camera yeah. zooms in on her. It breaks the format of the show, like the three camera sitcom show. And it really zooms in on her until something happens that the person has experiences real danger. Clearly, Mr. Hart, the choking. Dottie, the glass breaking and her hand bleeding. And then they go back to their programming. So my my feeling is these are real people that whether it's yeah. just some random neighborhood that Wanda's accidentally taken over or what, these are real people and she's affecting their lives. And the people like Mr. Hart or Dottie are people who have been sent into the universe to save, quote unquote, Wanda. And because they're the most equipped to break through the reality, they're the ones who can affect the reality defending itself with those uh, real moments, I guess, is right. the best way to put it. And so right. that that that's what my speculation is, that Wanda is unintentionally doing this because her reality is defending herself. Have you ever seen the movie Pleasantville? I have not. Okay. So Pleasantville, Tobey Maguire... Um, and yeah, and Reese with a Spider-Man love... three star. Yeah. Spider-Man three star, uh, dancer and all. So like <laughs> Toby Maguire, Reese Witherspoon get this like magic remote and they accidentally get sucked into a TV show called Pleasantville mm -hmm. and they know they're in a TV show. And they're 1950s, black and white, and they're trying to figure out how to get out. Uh -huh. Everybody in the town they interact with, that's their reality. Mm -hmm. Right? Like, like these are just new kids. Or, or well, it's weird because Toby and Reese Witherspoon are themselves, and they replace the main character kids of the show. Uh-huh. And so they are themselves, but everybody else sees them as like, oh, you've always been this kid. Or you've always been as a part of this town. Uh -huh. And it's such a fantastic movie on so many levels. But I'm also wondering if they're doing that with it. Mm -hmm. As you say, these, these characters are real, but are they actually maybe, again, speculation, real only in the sitcom world? Does that make sense? So it's almost like imagining going into a show, whatever show you want it to be. And those characters believe themselves to be real because that's the only world they've ever known. Uh-huh. And rather than being real in the outside world, so to speak. Uh-huh. 
I'm, I'm curious if that's the way they're going with it. My worst nightmare is this is this show. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's spot on. And so what I'm yeah, thinking. Like I'm, I'm looking straight ahead right now knowing that I'm breaking a fourth wall. Mm-hmm. I see. Okay. I, I don't you. like that. I don't like that. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. But no, I, I think, I think one or two things are true. It's either everyone is real or there are real people. And I think Dottie is one. And I think Mr. Hart is one. Mm-hmm. And I think the best evidence for this is the ending of this episode where we see the beekeeper come from the sewer, which within the show is this weird sensation. That's why everything kind of breaks loose. Right. And, and you know, everything gets dreadful. But what my belief is, is if Dottie is real and Mr. Hart is real, the universe has already accounted for them. I'm sorry. The, the reality has already accounted for them and tried to dress them up to go along with everything else. But because this quote-unquote beekeeper is unaccounted for, the reality doesn't know how to mask it. And so that's why we don't have an identity. And that's why it's so dreadful and out of place because it's not part of the programming. And then we see Wanda reset everything and rewind. Well, all of this is, okay, is we're speculating all over the place. Like, in this sense, I'm going to say this is all Wanda's creation. Uh-huh. Only because, like, when you mentioned the cut on her hand, uh-huh. on Dottie's hand, that's the third time we've seen color, right? Mm-hmm. So the first time it was the red glowing uh, dot on the toaster. Mm-hmm. Then we saw the red helicopter with the sword mm-hmm. shield on it. Um, and it makes you wonder, like she, she's holding that. She looks back up to the, to the window. So it makes you wonder, it's like, were they trying to get into the window? And that's what was the, the knocking, not the, the, the tree. Mm-hmm. And then it ended up crashing. Uh, but it was red and then the red blood. Mm-hmm. And then you mentioned the rewind in the rewind, the color shift to kind of symbolize that was red. Mm-hmm. And all of that is a color scheme for Wanda and the color they use when she's using her little Scarlet Witch magic power. Mm-hmm. And these are the only colors we're getting, the only colors that are coming through. Um, or at the end, when when there's the shift from, from black and white to red, I mean black uh-huh. and white to color, that shift and that transition, there's like a red kind of blurish line that's sweeping through. So it's like mm-hmm. truly she's doing that. Like we have now leveled up or progressed or something. Okay. So before you finish that last bit, I had two branches that I wanted to go with that, but you just introduce a third one. The last time we saw something like that was when Thanos had the reality stone. Yes. Yes. I wonder if that's where we're going with this. Yeah. I can't imagine them bringing the infinity stones back though. I know. I don't know how I feel about that, but it's. It, I feel like it's too soon to know. Because again, if this is all a creation of a reality she's conjured, she knows those stones. So, right. I don't know that. That's too, there's not enough to speculate on that yet. But you just made me think of that. Right. Okay. But the two branches I was going to go off on is the first thing. It's very important. I think that. Are not very important. I don't think it's a coincidence that everything is in black and white. Not only because of it being a love letter to TV and going through the eras, but think about the last time we saw Vision. He was lifeless and gray at the foot of Thanos. 
And right. so everything has been about bringing vision back to life for her or creating this life with him. And we're seeing it here. Like the first thing that comes back in this color world outside of the anomalies is vision's face. And then everything else fills in. Yeah. Well, even vision's face, like mm-hmm. what we saw first was the red yep. of his face. Uh-huh. The Mind Stone, he had a yellow, but the, the, the other parts were kind of still of a grayish tone. Uh-huh. So, yeah, like it, it's very, very red is what they're, is what they're using on this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I would say, go ahead. And so, yeah, and again, uh, to, I feel like I keep harping on this, but it, it's, it's me coming to terms with sounding crazy within these discussions. It's, it's, I love the way that these episodes are handling the reality correcting itself for problems it encounters. First episode, they didn't have details to their story. It's put to the test with the dinner with their boss. By the end of the episode, they settle on details. This episode, the threat comes from things sticking out like the helicopter, uh, which I think is actual like a physical meta threat outside the universe we know so far. Right. And the way the universe corrects itself we get color at the end. It's almost like Wanda saying like, okay, so now I see which way you're breaching in. Let's correct this so nothing stands out and everything's in color. And I, yeah. I love that defense mechanism feel. Yeah, that's a good way to think of it. I didn't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to mention was Agnes because she played, while she played a part in episode one, I feel like she played an even bigger part in this episode. We get more uh-huh. of her. Uh-huh. Because we start out, like, the first thing she says to us is, well, us, Wanda, star of the show. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's Wanda's world, you know, is, is, the way I, is the way I took it. You know, we're, we're all just kind of living in it. Uh-huh. And the way she prepped her for going to Dottie's, mm-hmm. you know, they kind of made a joke about Wanda breaking social conventions. Right, mm-hmm. like wearing the pants instead of a dress, and all the others are wearing a dress. Agnes passing around a flask and getting them all drunk. Uh huh. <laughs> you know, and and, um, and she had the line, "The devil's in the details." And that's not the only place. Yeah, yeah. Agnes said that. That's not the only place. And so, Dottie said that to Bev. Right. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, devil's in the details. Agnes. My my next thing was Mephisto question mark. Yeah. Is what I wrote down. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, Miss Fisto, question mark. You know, and then later, uh, she brings up her husband, Ralph, you know, mm-hmm. which, who, who we haven't met yet. And he's like, looking for volunteers. What about my husband, Ralph? Um, but like, she clearly, you know, she shows up at the talent show. She's involved. She has dialogue. But as they cut to the crowd, they make sure she gets some screen time. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. They, they, they cut back for reaction for her constantly. So another thing that I want to connect here is, you know, we were talking about how Wanda discovers the color. Agnes arrives right at that moment, which is giving more credibility to that idea of mm-hmm. it is pertinent for Agnes to keep things the way they are. And yeah, her prepping Wanda on how to deal with Dottie makes me feel even more so that like Dottie is because she says it Dottie is the key to everything. If you can convince her, everything will go off without a hitch. And so within the show, we know that means like, oh, Wanda will have a perfect life, you know, the best school for the kids and so on and so forth. But my understanding is that if she can convince Dottie that this is real, she won't have to worry about everything coming apart. Yeah. Yeah. That's really good. 
Yeah. And so that like that's that's the ulterior motive is what I'm questioning from Agnes, because it in, it makes sense within the show they've created, but it doesn't make sense in the can we can we start this establishment now? If we're talking about things outside the television, we're just going to call it the MCU. OK, okay will that be the easiest way? Let's yeah, do it that let's way. Do that. I think that, okay. Okay. So yeah. So it doesn't make sense within the MCU, but it makes sense within the universe they're creating for the show. Right. Okay. That's. I'm. I'm glad we figured that out. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and relatively early on. Right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. So one more point. Mm-hmm. Because you you talked about how Agnes called her the star of the show. Something else I think yeah. that's worth noting. Whenever they're at the talent show, she also refers to the bunny as like a show stealer or a star of the show too. Which we know the bunny is Agnes's pet. If they're going to go through this route where Agnes has kind of got Wanda under her control, that might be some foreshadowing that they're putting out there right now. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, I, they keep they keep bringing up the kids, mm-hmm. um, and we know at the end of the episode she's pregnant. Is this yep. how they introduce mutants? I mean, I don't know enough to be able to go out on this limb, but I know it's big enough that House of M is a very important storyline yeah. in the the comics. And that's what this feels like to me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. House and let me clarify my understanding, House of N being a mutants related story. Yes. House of M is as far as I you know, I again I have not in terms of like when I was into comics and then got back into comics, mm-hmm. I have not read House of M, but I know mm-hmm. enough about it that like that is it is mutant driven. Because, uh, yeah. you know, Wanda Maximoff is, notice, like, she's never called Scarlet Witch in the MCU. Uh-huh. You know, and because she's the one, one of those characters, like Quicksilver, who has a foot in both the X-Men world and Avengers world. Mm-hmm. You know, so she's not a mutant in the MCU yet. In that sense, it's very much, I'm wondering if these kids are what kicks off having mutants. Yeah. I don't, I don't think so. Now that I say that, because like, if that's the case, and like, what are you gonna do? Have like, stepping out of that, like, have kids and like, wait for those kids to become of age. We're like, what? That's another twelve years before we get mutants in the MCU. So like that. <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, well, let's let's time stone them back in, I guess. But well, know, I mean, look gone. how quick how quickly Wanda went from showing to not showing in pregnancy. Time is not a constraint, right? So, I mean, well, there could be... I mean, I mean, you say that, though, but, like, you could say, I mean, at this point, MCU times a constraint in the world of this WandaVision, the sitcom world times never a constraint. Oh, okay. I see what you mean. Here's the Thanksgiving, like, you watch a regular sitcom, it's Thanksgiving, it's November, so we're going to have a Thanksgiving episode. It's right. December, so we're going to have a December episode, and the next thing you know, like... Like, like it's time's not really a constraint in the sitcom world. Mm-hmm. So, in in that way, that it could be that as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's interesting the payoff they did with Vision to me. Uh huh. Like, like you go back to episode one, you know, and well, a go back to Civil War, and he's like, I've never eaten anything, and then. In episode one, you know, they they go out of the way to say like he doesn't eat food. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess he faked it at the dinner. You know, you never you see him cutting, but I don't think you ever see him actually eat anything. Mm-hmm. But they, but they, I like how they paid that off with the gum. 
and yeah. visually how they showed what it did to him on the inside. I, I just really enjoyed that. So yeah, that feels like such a great mechanic to to pay homage to the era that they're representing here with Bewitched because the way they would they cut to the animatic of the gum being stuck in his gears, even though that's such a simplistic way to look at vision. And it, it feels like a storyline that would have been used back then. It's both cheesy, but somehow fun and works for the story they're telling. Right. And another thing, they made a big deal about vision never eating. The only thing that might be a refutation of this is I think Wanda took a sip of a drink at the dinner party. But so far, they've also gone out of their way to show that Wanda hasn't eaten either. Because when she was at that meeting with Dottie, she goes to bite the cookie and then she gets called out by Dottie for some She takes it out of her mouth. And takes it out of her mouth. Yeah. So neither one of them are eating. And I don't think that's happenstance. Yeah. 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 No, that's a good catch. That's a really Mm -hmm. good catch. One of the things I, I love drunk vision. (laughs) <laughs> and when when he steps out and he's like, hello, Westview, uh-huh. that reminds me of when Paul Bettany played Chaucer in A Knight's Tale. Yeah. And he comes out with that, hello, Westview, and, mm-hmm. and does the whole intro to for... For Ulrich von Lichtenstein. Like, <laughs> like, like, I will still watch that on YouTube, just uh-huh. his parts, because they're so good. So yeah, like I, I just love that they that they had that, and I don't even know if they intentionally went for that, but like immediately, like that's what came to mind. Mm-hmm. And that, and I love all the like course corrections Wanda did to maintain the the facade, you know, or the 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 lie. Mm-hmm. Like Vision levitated. She mm-hmm. did a quick thing. Uh, you already mentioned the mirrors. Um, I love what they did with the piano. Uh-huh. You know, um, oh, you weren't That's supposed my... to see that. <laughs> That's my grandma's piano. Oh my God. I, that's the moment he became my favorite. Just the way like, oh man, I fell in love with him. <laughs> oh man. Like that is hilarious. Uh-huh. Uh, oh man. Yeah. So like, well, yeah, all of that. Like I, I love that whole segment, but it still, it played into the mystery because of what they did with the mystery cabinet or cabinet of mm-hmm. mysteries. You know, and, mm-hmm. and getting Geraldine there. and Yeah. Yeah, like, and she was just like, one minute I was backstage, now I'm here. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that was actual real magic. And they pulled the whole magician never tells. Well, I mean, they laid the groundwork in the opening where Wanda was like, well, that's real magic, is that you know it's fake. And so... Yeah, You know, they're playing with that convention here because at the talent show, they are using real magic with a capital R and Wanda's correction is to show that it's fake. Right. And then in a moment that puts them at the greatest risk is when they used real magic to bring Geraldine into the box. And they're lucky that they're able to get away with it because they just don't reveal their secret to Geraldine. But something that I liked about Geraldine that I want to note is when we get introduced to her at that... Um, Rotary Club. On the topic of what you mentioned about Agnes having agency, I feel like Geraldine is the the second most character we've seen with agency outside of Wanda and Vision, because there it's very it's a very quick moment. But whenever Wanda's like, "Hey, I'm Wanda," and she extends her hand, Geraldine goes to reciprocate, pauses for a second with a hint of concern. And it goes, I'm Geraldine. And so yeah. it was like she couldn't fill in the details 
and then it was a, a like she was able to do the jail dean quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just haven't noticed that behavior from anyone else outside. Yeah, like um, she didn't know. Like, like I jotted that down. She didn't know her name at first, mm-hmm. or what she's doing there. Yeah, well, and it made me wonder if that was actually her real name. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if they were going for this, but my note, like when you get to the end and they're all chanting, "What's in the box?" Uh huh. At this moment. In this, in that whole sequence, really, but in that moment with the "What's in the box? What's in the box?" There's like this pressure to maintain in the illusion, right? Mm-hmm. And the illusion, like being difficult, the the difficulty of maintaining the illusion, you know. Mm-hmm. But what I found fascinating is like during that sequence, that was Vision's magician name, illusion. Mm-hmm. So to me, there was like this play there. Like there's the actual illusion that she's trying to maintain and vision being named illusion was like doing everything he could to break it, Mm -hmm. you know, and and she's fighting so hard against that. Um, I just liked that little, and again, I don't know how much of that was intentional and me just reading into it, uh, but I really liked that play right there. I think it is intentional and I, I think I felt this, but didn't have a way to articulate it until you kind of like put us here. You know, go back to what what was said in the beginning. I promise to bring you back as normal as possible or whatever she says or whatever he says in the beginning. And you're talking about how Vision was almost doing everything he could to ruin the illusion if everything is centered around Wanda wanting to bring vision back, and these are the elaborate ways that she has to construct to have this reality where her and vision get to live the life happily. He bears the most weight because he's gone. He's dead. And so everything all like the, the most amount of power that's going to take for, for Wanda to create this, this no pun intended vision is mm-hmm making him a real thing and so it's almost like what you were saying like him trying to break it at every turn yeah because that's going to be the 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 dead weight yeah yeah so and i loved her name glamour Uh uh-huh because you get what you get two things from it right so there's your basic like um magazine right and i think that was even the magazine agnes was looking at um, in the first episode when they were mm-hmm. going over like how to seduce and all that stuff. And so there's glamour in the sense of like attractive. Uh-huh. Uh, so making something appealing. But there's also a definition of glamour that is like enchantment and magic. Uh-huh. And you see it in particular in the True Blood series with the vampires uh-huh. where glamour is what they called the vampire's ability to like men to, to like me- influence or coerce somebody mentally, mm-hmm. you know? And so was like some kind of hypnosis. And so like for Wanda stage name to be glamor, you know, and, and, and with that in mind, I am using some kind of hypnosis or compulsion or influence, I think plays into that whole idea of an illusion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a really good catch. I like that. I feel like we could have a whole episode dedicated to just how great all the things that 
uh, Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany are doing. Oh, like every time, right. every time Paul Bettany did the flourish, like I just like I was cracking up. Like he, yeah, he was perfect in that scene. And and you talked about it too with with Elizabeth Olsen. Like, oops, you weren't supposed to see that. And the way she was like shaking her shoulder, like yeah, everything. Yeah. Feels straight off the sitcom. I I keep repeating that, so I won't go back down that. But yeah, it's so good. One thing I do want to circle back to is we talked about colors, and I wanted to pair this up with another thing that I see is being uh, repeated. Is it is clear as day in these first two episodes that they are dealing with themes of paranoia. You know, whether it's like the paranoia of, of forgetting and a significant date you know, of your partner, um, you know, the paranoia of impressing your boss, uh, the, the larger paranoia of being found out itself. It's this thing that they keep repeating. And something that I found interesting is that when Vision goes to the library to, um, you know, see about the neighborhood watch and find ways to help, it ends up not being what he thought it was. Like he was like wanting to know about security protocols and how they contact the authorities and stuff like that. And when he's in the meeting, turns out, you know, it's just guys kind of just hanging out and, and talking gossip. Yeah. And so when it comes around to Vision trying to uh, to be a part of that, his gossip is he calls Norm a communist. And it kind <laughs> yeah, of pauses. <laughs> it pauses. It pauses because, like, it's almost like this expectation of, like, at that time, that was like, you know, that was a that's a that's a harsh thing to call somebody. Well, yeah. I mean, you had the, you had the red scare, you had McCarthy. the red scare and uh, look what, and already color... mentioned the beatnik. Yeah. Yeah. With the red scare, like they're focusing on this red, um, color that keeps being repeated, even to stuff like, I mean, look what, what the gum was big red gum. Yeah. And so like, that's another layer to that, that color work that they're doing. Uh, it, it was interesting to me that they invoked that as well. Well, we already mentioned with with Vision, it's they show that she's pregnant, they kiss. After that kiss, is when you see the red in Vision's face pop up, uh huh. And then everything was a sweeping red turns mm-hmm. to color. Yeah, yeah. Uh, one last thing that I I want to talk in kind of in this like section about, um. It feels like American commentary, you know, with the Red Scare and stuff like that. Right. You know, they've already established in that first episode, they're they're keeping true to, you know, Wanda is Sokovian. She's not American. Right. And so I even, I was kind of questioning, like, what is this connection to American sitcom tropes that her trauma is taking the form in? Mm-hmm. You know, I think we kind of get maybe a clue of it here where we learn that the neighborhood is called the Westview, which like the Western view of like, Ooh, of like yeah. Wanda's a, a approximation of like American life. You know, this is the perfect American life. And these yeah. are the things that she's striving for. I thought that was a nice touch. If that's an angle they're going for. Hey, you know what? You mentioned that the West view, she's from, you know, Sokovia. It could be the case that like, culturally speaking, what she knows of American culture. I mean, so, I mean, you have to imagine in world, right? Like what she knows of Western culture. When I say Western culture, let's be more specific. Western American culture mm-hmm. is going to be through television. Because mm-hmm. you got to imagine how long has she been in the U S after age of Ultron. Right. Under 10 years, right? 
Right. And so, and, and not, I'm and not saying that like, it's so drastically different. Um, but in some ways it is, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, and, and we, we see that all the time where we feel like we learn culture or about another culture through media, rightly or wrongly. We, as people, we do that. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I could see that, but Westview, that could be part of that playing into it. Yeah. It, it It's again, it's the little details that I feel like upon rewatch after it's all done, they're going to be just bright as day. And I yeah. I love it. Yeah. So the one last, the, the two last things I want to mention is like the theme from Dottie all the way through that for the children, for the children. And then she ends up pregnant. Mm-hmm. And the commercial in the middle, the watch brand being Strucker, who in Age of Ultron was the one that did the experiments mm-hmm. on her and her brother. Right. And another- He'll make time for you. Yeah. But another, where the watch is ticking, another thing for time where it's ticking and ticking faster and ticking faster and kind of building up tension that way, just like they did in the commercial. So like mid episode, they give you something that really shows, Hey, we're going to, we're building this tension. Mm-hmm. And there's there between the Stark and Strucker. You're, you're seeing like a reaching into her past mm-hmm. and with the children, a look towards the future. Oh, wow. Yeah, I, I I put the 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 feeling of the past, but I didn't connect it to like the children representing the future. That's wow. Yeah, I love this show. We're two episodes in, and I love it. I know. I can't wait. Next Friday. Oh man. Ugh. You know what? I keep telling like my students. I was like, if you're watching Wandavision, the way you watch Mandalorian, where you're like, okay, I can't wait for next week's episode. The next two months, the next eight weeks are gonna fly. Mm-hmm. They really are. Oh, yeah. Because, I mean, Mandalorian was over before I knew it. Yeah, and that was eight weeks. All right, so I think that's going to wrap it up for our kind of discussion of this episode. I can already tell we're going to have to revisit this at some point, because even though we've gone for an hour, if not more, there's still so much more to dig into. But we're going to go ahead and move on and... Like we talked about in the last episode, in lieu of a question of the week for the duration of WandaVision, we are going to be doing our predictions for what we think happens next. So just as a fun way to see if we are right or wrong. Uh, Let's go ahead and put it on the record. Do you have any predictions? My prediction is I'm going to enjoy it. No, uh, my. (laughs) (laughs) That's not a prediction. (laughs) You know what? I just cursed us. If this was Game of Thrones, last oh no, season, don't you dare! Then that is a prediction. Um, okay, no. In in all seriousness, my prediction, because we're getting this, we switched to color, uh huh, and we're and we're getting this build right of gradually introducing Sword. Uh huh. I think we're gonna see somebody from Sword finally break through. At okay. some point into the WandaVision world, like outside mm-hmm. of the MCU into WandaVision world. I can see that because I already talked about how this reality is quote unquote defending itself. And it feels like every episode so far, I know there's only two, but so far each episode ends with Wanda going a level deeper, if that makes sense. Right. 
And so like the color, the color world is another layer and it's being prompted by sword agents making it through. I, I feel like you are spot on with that breaking through this next episode. So what's yours? What's your prediction? For me, that it's kind of in that similar space. Like I have a feeling because I talked about it. My fear was going to be that if this show hung around too long on this idea of trying to convince us it's real, that I would kind of not enjoy that. I'm still holding on to that in a way in that I the pace at which everything is going right now is my prediction is by the end of next episode, we will have not a better understanding of the outside looking in. Like we'll have more about who's taking notes or, or what processes they're doing to try and break into the reality. Um, yeah. It, it may be a thing that it's it's something that happens like at the tail end of the episode, uh, but I think we'll have a clearer picture of the MCU, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, it does. Well, mm-hmm. and, and part of me, I'm like, if we're going to have nine episodes and two's already out, pacing-wise... By episode four or five, there's there's a dramatic shift because storytelling wise, you got to resolve it, mm-hmm. and and so in in that way, that's why I'm like, as you said, there the you can only maintain that for so long. In terms of telling your story, so uh-huh. that's why I go with my prediction. Yep, it feels like we're kind of in a similar space. <laughs> yeah, it, it 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 I think yours is like the outside world coming in. Yeah. And mine is us going to the outside world to just kind of like simplify it a little bit more. Yeah. 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 I can see that. Yep. Mm-hmm. Well, cool. That is going to do it for our discussion of season one, episode two of WandaVision. Uh, if you would like to share your thoughts or questions about this episode, you can always reach us at know on Twitter and Instagram. Or if you'd like to write us an email, you can reach us at know at gmail.com. And if you don't mind, give us a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It tremendously helps out the show and being discoverable uh, so we can grow the audience and have a bigger conversation. And of course, the best thing you can do for us is share with a friend. Yeah. And speaking of sharing with friends, you can share in all the fun with a larger community by joining our Discord, which is linked in the show notes. All you got to do is click it and you should be given an invite to uh, the rest of us. All right. We'd also like to thank Nick Sandy for the use of our theme song, which is his rendition of the Avengers theme. You can find more of his work on his SoundCloud, which is linked in the description below. All right. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We will see you all next week. All right. Thank you so much for listening and thank you so much for doing this, Jude. Thank you, Trey. We will see you all next week. Next week. week. (laughs) See, what's funny is I can do that at the same time. Uh-huh. Because it's separate tracks, I don't. I I know that I don't have to include it. What's funny, like <laughs> when you first started doing, I don't want to discourage this, but when you first started doing that, that would throw me off every time because, like, I would immediately like stop because I thought you were trying to say something, and it took yeah. me so long to be conditioned to like, oh, he's humming along. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! Like, like I'm I've I'm slowly learning sometimes of like. Are, are really embracing. It's like they're separate tracks. 
Mm -hmm. Like you're what I say is not impacting you outside. It is. I mean, it is. (laughs) I I mean, it is. It is like maybe in a distraction way, but like in terms of like what's recorded, uh huh. Like nobody's gonna really, unless I include it, know Uh that I said see you next week. Mm -hmm. At the same time, they will now when we realize that this is gonna be the end tag. End tag. All right, I'm going to stop recording. Me too.